I don't know what it's been like for you, but this morning's worship has been particularly challenging. Some of the songs that we sing are not songs that I sing easily. Oh, I sing them. I know the words, right? I got that. But uh, the words that I sing do not always resonate in my heart. Each step I take, just a closer walk with thee, he leadeth me. You see, um, these songs are difficult for me, not because I don't love them, not because I don't want to agree with the sentiment, but you see, I stand before you this morning as a self-avowed control freak. I need control. And so songs like that where I'm willfully giving up control, are difficult. I sing songs like, Just a closer walk with me. I leadeth me, O blessed thought, O words with heavenly comfort fraught. You see, it's easier for me, if I'm very, very honest, to trust in myself more than anyone else. I'm not sure exactly where that comes from, but something deep within. Perhaps it's the oldest child syndrome, because, you know, the parents are always asking us to be responsible and watch after the baby brothers and sisters, and we're responsible and doing all of these responsible things. Uh, Perhaps it's just my personality, But something within me has a very difficult time letting go of control. Are you the same way? I was thinking of the old joke, you know, knock, knock. It's not going to work if you don't participate. Knock, knock. Control freak. Now you say control freak who? It's It's this idea that we have such a hard time giving up control because when things are out of control, they don't exactly go as we want them. And, uh, well, this resonates in all areas of my life. Um, Driving down the road. Everybody that's driving faster than me is an idiot. They're going to get everybody killed. Everybody driving slower than me is a moron. (laughs) Absolutely no idea. I would love to expound upon my theory on why it's always correct to park a car in backwards as opposed to forwards. My son noticed that. He noticed I always park in the garage backwards and my wife parks forwards, or as I call it, the wrong way. He says, Dad, why do you park in backwards and Mom parks in forward? And I said, well, son, she just does it the wrong way. (laughs) Now, my son's fairly astute, and he said, Dad, there is not a right way and a wrong way to park. I say, son, that is just something people say who do it wrong. (laughs) Yes, control freaks know exactly how the world should work. Even as we're going down the road and we, we, we may, every once in a while... Exceed the speed limit. But that's only because clearly the speed limit is too low for this road. (laughs) We are just going with the flow of traffic. You have a hard time giving up control? You have a hard time letting others dictate to you what needs to be done the way it needs to be done? Well, if you have control issues, you have trust issues. And I admit, I have trust issues. If I can't get it... 
the only way to get it done right is to do it myself. I used to hate in school when our teachers would get us together by teams, right? Because I was responsible and I cared about my grade. Everybody else in that group, they didn't care. And they knew I cared way too much. So they were just going to let me do all the work, which I was happy to do because they were idiots. I just can't give up control. It is difficult. Well, I was forced recently to give up control. And I want to tell you a little about that. And the scripture that I went to, that God guided me to, to remind me that I'm really not in control. I don't know where your trust issues are. Perhaps you easily trust other people. Perhaps you easily trust God. But for me, it's not always that way. The scripture says that the Lord God is Yahweh Roi. If you're writing that down, that's Yahweh R-O-I. And that description means the Lord God, the one true shepherd. And so this morning, we're going to look, going to go back to a blast from the past, an oldie but a goodie, Psalm chapter 23. And just like those songs that you sang this morning that you know so well, but maybe have a harder time living up to. Now, the entire psalm, chapter 23, is a beautiful psalm. We don't have time to go through it in its entirety. This morning, I just want to focus on the first three verses. And those three verses are going to tell us five things about the one true shepherd. Because I believe when we understand who he is... It helps us to understand who we are and why we can trust Him. And you probably know, if you have your Bibles open, it's Psalm chapter 23, verses 1 through 3, says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Oh, it's a beautiful sentiment, especially in the idea of of, uh, uh, the nomadic society where shepherds were the masters, the managers, the keepers of the property of the sheep. And as they would travel around, the shepherds were the ones who were in charge. Of course, David, as a shepherd himself, writing this sentiment that the Lord is my shepherd, he is saying, God, you are in charge. I yield full control. Now you think about that. David was a king and he yielded full control to the Lord. The Bible is full of people who probably identify less with David and more with me, who were control freaks, who, for whatever reason, simply could not trust. People like Sarah, who, when was Abraham, her husband, was promised a son, after years and years and years of waiting, said, I know, God's just waiting on me to make this better. And so she comes up with a plan which turns out disastrously. Or perhaps... Another king named King Saul, who genuinely wanted to do what was right, but he took a role that was not his, and he offered a sacrifice. Or Peter, that great beloved control freak, who actually stood in the face of Jesus Christ 
and said, no, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Oh, it's a challenge to trust. It's a challenge to give over control to someone else, especially with God. Because we don't always get the advantage of knowing what God is doing. We don't always see the big picture. Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 11, describes, God himself describes himself as a shepherd. He says, for this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will seek after my sheep and look after them as a shepherd looks after his scattered flock. So I will look after my sheep. It's not just our understanding of God. It's God's understanding of God. I am a shepherd. Isaiah chapter 40, starting in about verse 10, which describes the Lord in this way. See, the sovereign Lord comes in power and his arm rules for him. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock Like a shepherd, he gathers the lambs in his arms and holds them close to his heart. Who has seen the strength of the Lord God Almighty? Who has seen his might and power? We understand that God is mighty and powerful, that his arm rules for him. But Isaiah says he's more than that. He's a caring, loving shepherd. He provides us with everything we need. I love verse 1 of Psalm chapter 23. One translation says, I have everything I need. There is nothing I lack when he is the shepherd. And that is so difficult sometimes. It is so hard to look at all we have and really be focused on all we don't have. To look at all the blessings and instead... Uh, Look at all the circumstances and and don't not look at the blessings, but instead look on all the things that we just are having a hard time with. It's a matter of perspective. If we want to see the Lord as shepherd, we've got to be able to trust him. Second Peter, chapter one, verse three, Peter says his divine knowledge has given us everything we need for life and godliness. His divine knowledge has given us everything we need. Well, the Lord God is shepherd. And that means we have to begin to understand our role, that we are simply sheep. And um, if you know anything about the Bible, well, if you know anything about sheep, you understand that that is not a compliment. Sheep are really dumb. And they have a hard time trusting the shepherd. Secondly, we learn not only that the Lord is shepherd, we learn he makes me lie down in green pastures. Now, this is the point where I learned that God has a sense of humor. A couple of weeks ago, I was just, it was a crazy time in my life and the ministry A lot of things happening, a lot of events going on, a lot of people calling me and texting me and emailing me, a lot of projects that had to happen. And I was just going from one thing to the next, running those 16, 17, 18-hour days, 
And in the middle of that, I just got sick. Just one of those catches you by surprise, didn't see it coming, nobody else was sick. But somewhere, I got a bug, and it just completely decimated me. I could do nothing. I I would like to give you a visual description, but trust me, you don't want it. I was completely wiped out. And I was just laying in my bed as the fan spinning overhead, cold sweat coming down my face, and I'm looking up at the ceiling as control freaks are prone to do, and I'm arguing with God. God, I don't need this. Lord, I'm your servant. I'm just trying to do what you need me to do. Please, Lord. Just help me to get better because I don't have time for this. I remember that moment very clearly. And uh, I was just so exhausted and depleted. I mean, I couldn't even... I get out of bed to go get a drink of water. And that simple act of getting out of bed, going, getting a cup of water, taking a couple sips, and going back to bed, it was like I had ran a marathon. Which, of course, I do not do. Uh, Believe the Bible speaks clearly against... But, kidding. We, I was just completely down and out. And then I was flipping through my Bible, because it was right there on the bedstand, and I turned over, and I'm just flipping through it, and I'm reading through Matthew. And I just somehow it just landed on Matthew chapter 11, verse 3. And this is just one of those God moments. Matthew chapter 11, verse 3 says, I think a message God was trying to give to me. Are you the Messiah, or should we wait for someone else? And then I thought back to this, Psalm chapter 23, verse 2. He makes me lie down to rest. You see, the Lord is not just the shepherd. He knows what the sheep need. He understands that as he takes those sheep from pasture to pasture, in and out among hills and valleys past predators who mean them harm. The, sheep, uh, the shepherd knows that if the sheep do not rest, they're more prone to illness, sickness, that when the wolf comes, he, they won't be sharp enough to, to quickly gather together as a flock and he can herd them away to safety. No, the sheep needs rest. The sheep must have rest. Now, this is what I call the Sabbath principle. Uh, The Sabbath principle is part of the old law. It's not something that we're bound by today. But it was just this idea that God created within all creation a need for things to rest. It starts in Genesis chapter 2, verse 2. And the Lord God had finished all the work he had created. And so on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Now, as a control freak, this really bothers me. Why in the world does the almighty, omnipotent, powerful God, creator of the universe, need a nappy time? But that's not what this is saying. I I, I really like it. I think it's the English Standard Version that says, instead of saying he rested, it says, so he ceased from all his work. You see, God had been creating the world into existence by merely speaking. He had created all of these parts of creation. He had filled it with 
fishes and birds and creatures and created mankind. And he had worked and he had produced this beautiful scale of all creation. And then in verse 2 of Genesis 2, it says that he simply ceased from all his work. He just stopped. He took it all in. He absorbed the goodness of his work. And of course, we know that in the Old Testament, he made that day, the seventh day, holy. He blessed it. He told the Jews to observe a Sabbath rest, not just for the people, but for the land, for the animals, for everything, to observe a time of ceasing and resting. In our house, it's called Sunday nap time. Now, Tyler doesn't take a nap regularly, but one time a week, about Sunday, 2 o'clock. This is why he hates Sunday, by the way. It's all time for the family to take a nap. And there is just something about having that rest time that just completely, it's like a reset button for the week. It just allows us, but this isn't just simply talking about physical rest. It's talking about taking some time to stop. You work and you slave 40, 50, 60 hours a week. You save up that money. You watch it rise and fall in the stock market. You produce things. You're productive. You're not lazy. You're doing the work that God gave you to do with your hands. That's a good and honorable thing. But some people take it too far. And they think that working and overworking is somehow honorable and valiant. That taking rest is lazy and slothful. And that's not true either. If you do not rest... God will make you rest. And you work and work and work and slave away. And all of a sudden you find yourself with a bleeding ulcer or a stroke or a heart attack. And you are in the hospital. But the doctors pump you full of medicine and they tell you to rest. And you look up from that hospital bed or my bed as I did that day. And I go, ha ha ha, that was good. And we understand that God is serious about rest. Now, listen, I'm not saying we need to observe the Sabbath. Don't misunderstand me. I am saying that I think it's good in practice to have times when we simply stop being productive. My son will tell me, Dad, let's go build a fort. He loves building forts out of blankets and chairs and everything that we have in our basement. And I have, to this point in my life, built about 9,472 forts. I'm an expert at it. If you need a fort built out of blankets, call me. I'm your man. My rate's very reasonable. Now, you know, I really don't like doing that. And do you know why? Because it's unproductive. I feel like I'm wasting my time. I could be doing something. I I need to be checking my email. I need to be responding to this. I need to be thinking about this project. Oh, I got camp coming up. I've got to think about that. Oh, this teen's in trouble. I better call them. And all of a sudden, my son just simply wants to stop and do something that I see as unproductive. And God forgive me when I view it that way. Because God, simply asking me through the voice of my son... To rest, to stop, to cease. So I have to remember there will be a day when his car will be parked in the driveway full of his stuff. And he will come back into the house. 
one last time as his mother is bawling her eyes out and probably dad along with her as he says, goodbye, dad. Goodbye, mom. I love you. And he will in that moment fly the nest and then there will be no forts left to build. And I'll look back on the day and long for the time when I had time just to cease and rest. He makes me lie down to rest. If you have a cell phone with you, take it out just for a second. I'm not asking you to do anything. Just just look at it. Mine has a little percentage, a little battery meter in the upper right-hand corner. Right now, mine says 67%. Yours maybe doesn't have the percentage, but it has that battery meter. And you know that if you don't stop, if you don't eventually at some point plug this sucker back in, it will die. God designed us and all of creation to have times of rest. Make sure that you're practicing the same. Third, He leads me beside quiet waters. Now, if I imagine the shepherd speaking to the sheep, I did a little research on this sermon about sheeps and shepherds. And um, the shepherd talks to the sheep in a certain, has certain commands that they listen to and obey and hear. And if I imagine these points, the first point I would imagine is the shepherd would say, trust little sheep. Because he's the shepherd. And, and secondly, I would imagine the shepherd to say, lie down, sheep, as he comes to the end of the day and he makes them lie down. But the third one is, he leads me beside quiet waters. And this is where I imagine the shepherd to say, shut up, little sheep. If you imagine, no, don't imagine, if you Google shepherd and sheep and you look at some videos, you'll see one common thing, no matter what shepherd, no matter what land, no matter where the sheep are, the shepherd is surrounded by a number of creatures and the only thing he hears day and night is, bah, 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 bah. Annoying, isn't it? Imagine that 24-7. Bah, bah. Bah. I, I can only imagine that God was very serious in Psalm chapter, let's see, 46, verse 10, when he says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted in the nations. I will be exalted among the earth. And yet, it's hard for me to be still. Oh, I can make my children be still with sippy cups and Cheerios and crayons. And I think that's a challenge. Be still and know that I am God. I know that song. And I I know that that song was written so that my son would hear it and actually sit still during worship. But if I'm honest, I'll confess to you that there are times that I sit just like you, very still. And I look very nice in my jacket, my tie. And my lips may even honor him, but my heart is far from him. I'm not thinking about worship or God. I'm not thinking about the shepherd. No, I'm, I'm thinking about what I have to do, 
what's coming up, what's going on at work, who I need to talk to, who I need to chat with. Someone's going to catch me. I, I come in late. I have to leave early. Be still and know that I am God. Man, we are so uncomfortable with being still. And I'm not talking physically. I'm talking inwardly. We have so much noise in our world. Outward noise from television and cell phones and radios and the internet and social media. We have all of this noise just coming at us. You know, pretty much 16 hours a day, 7 days a week. But then think about that. Shut all that off. Shut the TV off. Shut the cell phone off. Turn the computer off. Turn everything off. Go to your room. Try to lie down. Try to go to sleep. And it's as if your it's if your mind is coming up for air. And all of a sudden you lay down with no noise and you've got all this inside noise going on. What about this? What about that? I'm worried about this. What about this? What about this? Bah, bah, bah. Be still. We're very uncomfortable with silence. Aren't we? He leads me beside quiet waters. I want you to practice something. Just begin practicing each day. I want you to take 10 minutes practicing being still. I don't want you to pray. I don't want you to read your Bible. I don't want you to do anything. I want you to try and be still. I want you to try and rest and focus on the shepherd. I need something to think about. I gotta do something. I've got my got my ADD, my ADD, D, 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 D. Psalm forty six ten. If that's what you want to think about, be still and know that I am God. Trust little sheep. Rest little sheep. Shut up sheep. A lot of noise. You think about our own shepherds. I mean, think about what it is for God to listen to seven billion sheep every day. Bah, 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 bah. Listen to our, our own shepherds who must hear the bleating of eight or nine hundred people every week. And they go to shepherds meeting and they sit around a shepherd's table and they, and they, they talk about all the bleating. And it must drive them crazy. It must overwhelm their hearts. They must tear out their hair. When Brian Middleton started, he had a full glowing head. They called him the hippie elder. And look at all the bleating. Be still. Simply be still. It's the hardest thing for, our, for us control freaks to do. We want to take over. We need to give God some advice. He clearly isn't doing things our way. Be still. Finally, He restores my soul. God fixes what is broken. In talking about Jesus, Matthew quotes from Isaiah, and he says, Here is my servant. 
The one whom I love, the one in whom I delight, he will not quarrel or cry out. Catch this. He will not, you will not hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed, he will not break. A smoldering wick, he will not snuff out till he leads justice to victory. He said, come unto me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. It's hard to trust the shepherd, because sometimes people who have supposed to have taken care of us, didn't take care of us. They let us down. They broke promises. They didn't come through. There are some of you here this morning that are bruised, uh, bruised reeds. You are nearly broken. You have faced so many things in life, and you just don't know if you can trust anyone anymore. You are a smoldering wick who's about to die out. You had a burning flame that's now just a small, tiny glimmer along the edge You are burned up, almost burned out. And you need to know that since the beginning, God has been in the business of restoring. And I know there's some of you out here that restore old things and do a great job with that. But God restores the heart. God restores the soul. Now, what does that mean for you? What do you need to do about that? I I think the very simple lesson is... You need to seek healing. I'm not talking about miraculous healing. I'm talking about if you're broken, you need to come to the shepherd. If you're an injured sheep, you need to put your life in his hands and let him put you over his shoulders and carry you. If you are a broken sheep, you need to seek forgiveness. You need to seek healing, maybe from another sheep. Maybe you need to, you've got some anger issues and you need to let go. Perhaps you've got some sin that's just overwhelming your life. Let him, let him heal you. Let him restore you. Let him make you whole again. Well, I'm going to finish with the last verse. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. John chapter 10 Verse 11 says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, if he's willing to lay down his life for the sheep, then don't you think he's got everything in your life under control? He is going to work things out. Trust, little sheep. Rest, little sheep. Come, little sheep. Shut up, sheep. Heal, little sheep. Don't you think he has it figured out? If he put together a plan to save you, is he not going to work everything out as well? The Apostle Paul said this in Romans chapter 8, verse 31 and following. What shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, Who can be against us? Who 
will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen. It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died, and more than that, was raised to life, and is at the right hand of God, interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or naked, or danger, or sword? As it is written, we face danger all day long. For your sake, we are considered, catch this, as sheep to be slaughtered. Wait a second. You're telling me that this good shepherd is going to lead me to a path where I don't want to go? Oh, absolutely he will. He, as the shepherd, takes you where you need to be, not simply where you want to be. And it's our prerogative as sheep to trust in the shepherd. And we see a winding path that goes into a dark valley. And we don't want to go there, but the shepherd knows that in that dark valley is a pool of refreshment and water and life. We see a a tiny path going up a jagged hill. No other sheep are going there. The shepherd's guiding us up there. He knows that beyond that jagged hill is a bright green pasture. But only the shepherd knows that. Paul continues, no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither life nor death, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. That is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul says it doesn't matter where the sheep are led. If they are following the shepherd. They're going home. And I don't know what path he's taking you on. But if you're following him. I guarantee it's a path of righteousness. And you are guaranteed the victory. The conquer. The win. In Christ. But you got to trust him. Revelation chapter 7 verse 17 says that the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. We must trust the shepherd. It's the only way. I know some of you are really smart people. Some of you very successful people. But at the end of the day, we are all sheep. And we are stupid. And no matter what illusion of control you have, you cannot have control until you yield full control to the shepherd. So, The invitation then is yours. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to let the shepherd guide your life? Are you going to follow him? If you haven't stepped into the waters and put him on in baptism, then you haven't made him your shepherd, your leader, your ruler. But if you've you've done that, but you've lost your way, you've wandered from the flock... 
you've, you've found yourself not yielding to the shepherd, well, then you are in good company. And you can do some things about that. You can come forward this morning in a public way, and I love that you can turn your life over to our shepherds who will love you and pray for you. Or you can simply begin to heal in your life. You can come to celebrate recovery on Thursday nights. You can allow the shepherd to bring you back. If you have any need this morning, please bring it to the shepherd. Come sheep, as together we stand and sing.